Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 15th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. This is uh this is a day that I've been looking forward to talking about for years and years and years. I mean, the Bears, what an offseason they are putting together. They are the story of the NFL, and I'm ready to devote the majority of this podcast to talking about them. We could do that. The Valspar Championship, Bears offseason moves. You know, you've been popping my my alma mater here for our lack of basketball prowess. But I would note this offseason that you're so excited about. The general manager of the Bears is a proud, also former <laughs> alum of my institution. So he's delivering you this joy. So you might as well, you know, pipe down a little bit about BC and our lack of basketball program. Uh, so... Why are you so excited? They're making some good signings. We don't really need to get too in depth, but what are you fired up? I mean, number one pick trade. The trade, the trade, you know, the trade, we got this, we got a new receiver. It's better than anything we were going to get on the open market. And then people, you know, like, it's like the guy's better stud than NFL. It's like, oh, they gave away a first round pick for him. It's like, you hope your first round pick is as good as he has been, you know? I see what so, you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. and now and now they're just making moves. They had all this cash. They basically punted last year. It was great. Last year worked out so good. Lovey Smith gifted us this first pick. You know, we should put a statue up for him. Or at least have a Lovey Smith day. That that should happen because he's gotten us all this stuff. And uh and now we've got all this cap space and people, how do they have all this cap space? We didn't field an NFL team last year. So, <laughs> you know, we've got all this money and now we're spending it. And uh, we've got, they made all these moves yesterday and we still have like half the cap space that we had to burn. Like they still, if they had, they have like $50 billion left to spend. It's like unbelievable. They could do so much. And we've got all these draft picks now. Congrats. It's, it's amazing. I can't I, wait I'm to look so forward excited. to talking about it in mid-October when we'll see where they're at, you know, with, with this new reformatted team. But I'm excited that you're you're they're making moves to your satisfaction. Another move otherwise, made I did satisf- want to talk about what this, this distance thing. It's kind of big news in golf. Another move made to your satisfaction. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it was a half measure. Maybe it was an impotent political maneuver. I don't know. We'll, we'll I'm being facetious here. But uh, a big, big report. We had sort of, this has been telegraphed a little bit, uh, that something substantial was coming on Tuesday after the Players' Championship. You made a good point on a team call earlier, the timing of this. We'll get to the nuts and bolts. But while we're talking about Tuesday after the Players, I heard about it last week. I was like, whoa. And uh, why, why the timing was so interesting to you? Well, I think it's uh, obviously a lot of people are saying, why now? You know, golf's going so good and everything. Something had to happen, obviously. And we're yeah, did, you know, that. yeah. Let me give you a <laughs> Let me jump into that. 
These people talking about like these guys are like cur- courageous heroes, fight like freedom fighters. Like the house was on fire. You had a choice: stay or get out. They could have waited, I guess, till it got the fire got to their like a little closer to them, what room where they were in. But they, it was like kind of a choice that had to be done. It was something had to be done. Now, did they do it as drastic or did they go too drastic? Separate debate. But I thought the sort of, I mean, the throwing flowers at. The, I'm happy they did it, and I love Marty Sleeps and Mike Wan. He can talk a lot. Um, but like the way it was framed, it was time. It was time, and they've been asleep. Not these two specifically, but these organizations have been asleep. The house was on fire. That something had to be done. So yes, but why this Tuesday would that piqued your interest? This Tuesday after the players. I just think it was very strategic. Well done. Well, well done by the USGA in terms of timing. The thing that they had to avoid was last week when all all the top guys, all the complainers, Billy Horschel, you know, he's not getting on his scooter and scooting <laughs> over to Tampa after a week at home at the, TP, at the TPC. So they planned it. They fit this in here. I think it was super I think there's two things at play. They knew that they were they were going they were going for this bifurcation, which we'll we will talk about. They're yeah. going for this like we're going at the lead of the game here with this change. We want to avoid the PGA tour like little sect get together at the players where they're all gonna talk and they're gonna conspire. They're gonna get their tinfoil hats on and practice <laughs> rounds and Do a little like, bitch fest. You know, all the me- exactly. media's there. Yeah, just it's going to be so they wait till Tuesday of Valspar, which is going to have a weaker field. But they also, more importantly, get it done before the Masters. And I'm guessing, I'm I'm guessing that Augusta National, Fred Ridley, and the Masters said to them, "Listen, we do not want to field questions about what we think about about like what should happen. You need yeah. to put something out here before our press conference." And my my anticipation is that they are going to be very behind this. Um, I think been like that would have been going on like year three or four of them saying like it's bad. We don't feel like it's tenable. It's gone yeah. too far. Uh, but we love our governing bodies. Like that would have been like honestly the same line for about three or four years. But go ahead. Yeah. So you have a match play event. Uh, that's the only other time the best players of the world are going to be together is this match play event before the masters. Um, and it's the last edition. A lot of what that's going to be about is like this event's going away. They're leaving Austin, which, you know, from all, all things I've heard have been a very profitable, enjoyable place to play golf, which is, is it's an interesting thing that they're leaving that market anyways. But but the thing here is that it fits in. It gets this out of the way before the Masters. And I think like everybody's going to be like, oh, it's after the Augusta National made the changes to 13. Guess what? Those Reduce changes. ball with yeah. the changes. Yeah. That's going to make that hole play pretty great. And I think they might actually finally be able to get rid of those trees on the right and uh, and have that hole play it like it used to play where yeah. you, you're going to have to see guys maybe even hit fairway woods into the like five woods into the into the green so get a little woozy recreation of jim herman talking about him just wailing away but maybe with (laughs) some more modern day talents that could win go ahead so 
I think just in general, the timing of this makes a ton of sense. This was a very calculated move. It had to be a very calculated move with how long we've waited for it. I mean, I've been, I've known it's coming at some point, and I've still been extraordinarily restless with how much time this has taken. And we have a long, long time till this is fully resolved. So it's, it's fully implemented. So we're in this comment per- commentary period through August. Then it, whatever was proposed, and we'll talk about what was proposed here in a second, will not go into effect until 2026. So we're talking about quite a bit. Now, what did they come out with? The model local rule, the MLR, as the hip kids are calling it. Um, and they're changing sort of what how the golf ball would conform, but only to, I mean, the elite male swing speeds. Um, I, I, I guess I'll do nuts and bolts here. Uh, the overall distance, the model local rule, um, overall distance standard limit is now going to be 317 yards plus three yards of tolerance, give or take. At modified, quote unquote, actual launch conditions, the ALC, with 127 mile per hour clubhead speed and based on a calibration set up for 11 degrees and 37 revolutions per second. Per second. Um, so when they announced this, so they're upping, right? The swing head speeds for this testing of what, what conforms to the standards, uh, they suggest or, or guess, not guess, but estimate that this will reduce hitting distance by 14 to fi- 14 to 15 yards on average for the longest hitters with the highest club head speeds. Mike Stakura, golf digest and talking to industry sources thought it would be a little bit more than that. Not, not a little bit, a significant amount more than that. It could be 20 yards or more with every mile per hour increase in the club head speed that equates to about two and a half to three yards in total distance. So that's the proposed model local rule. It won't go into effect until 2026. Martin Slumbers, Mike Wan already instituted. Yes, already said, yes, we plan to put this into effect for our prize championships where these elite male golfers are playing. That's your rule. Um, you talked about how it was savvy. It's if something had to be done, this is feels like one of the more workable situations. Is it bifurcation? Yes. Could there have been something other than bifurcation? I'm not sure. If they propose a full-on rollback for you, me, and everyone else, it did not seem feasible based on public sentiment, based on the momentum of the game. I felt like, you know, Mike Wan kept talking about this is difficult, but that's governance. I thought that, uh, I I guess I'm, you know, picking nits with terms here, but it felt more like a political savvy thing for a way to make their championships, make professional golf, make professional golf at various venues more... uh, feasible quite honestly and it's not necessarily governance it's a very narrow rule it's a very narrow application now you and murray tweeted at me what i found amusing is that they've spent so much money and so much time on this and it's basically they can't enforce it except for a couple championships that they run now will they get some partnership with this with augusta national the tour we'll get to in a second but it, it is a savvy sort of surgical first step. Maybe it's the only step. First step to doing something to rein in distance. I don't think it's full on governance. I think it's like 
finding, threading the right needle for something that can be done without cre- creating widespread backlash or equipment company total revolt. It feels like a little bit, it's not governess. This is not, we are changing the rules of the game of golf. That's governance. Right. We are we are changing this. This is this is providing other organizations the opportunity, including to yourself. Like they are going obviously to be using this for their championships, but providing other organizations the opportunity to play by different rules if they see fit. And that's what this is. And I agree with you. I don't I don't know if I you know I've thought about this obviously all the last 48 hours and I've gone a, li- a lot of different directions in that time. There was a period where I was pretty frustrated that it was just bifurcation, but the reality of the situation, you cannot do a whole rollback. You can't, it, you can't get through. There's just too much yeah. resistance. There's you, especially with the, with all the things that the USGA does. And at the end of the day, I think like we make fun of this term, but the USGA believes that their like main purpose is to grow and advance the game. And I don't think they could live with the idea of them making the game as ilk. This is a bad argument. I think it's a bad argument that rolling back distance is making the game harder for everyone. I don't think it's that's, that's really a real argument. If, if, if a 10 handicap loses five yards, it's not, really consequentially (laughs) making the game harder for them. Okay. But the headline, they could not live with that headline. Therefore it had to be this, if they were doing something and it, something had to be done. And so I think that this, this is a palatable thing. It's a palatable change. And, and if it takes hold, I think they have set this up the right way where I'm not saying this is going to happen, but there is a feasibility where this could spread far past the PGA Tour elite level golf situation with this model local rule. The idea of a model local rule is that, you know, a particular golf course, like a great example would be Augusta National. They have two tee boxes. When very, very good players play Augusta National from the members tees, they dwarf it. There's a potential where they say we use this ball at Augusta National. That's you know, this is the the deal. You come play at Augusta National. This is the ball they use. You know how what also started that way? Soft spikes. It started at high end clubs that said, "Hey, we don't want metal spikes. You have to wear these spikes if you play here." So they have opened up the avenue for that potential growth. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but when you look past just the the natural things, high-end men's amateur golf and high-end pro golf, it all also opens up the opportunity. I'm not saying this is going to happen or will happen, but it op- opens up the opportunity for potentially like a classic course ball that is played at some of the iconic venues that really, frankly, aren't fun to play if you're a player that hits at 300 yards because it's just driver wedge. It's not as fun as it should be. Okay. Uh, I would. This, uh, the distance issue is not limited to high end men's professional golf. I just want to be very clear: high end men's amateur golf 
it is an issue for like a lot a lot of golf courses. And at, I think that's like everyday where, play. Yeah, I think that's the frustration here is like they spent all this money in their in their insights report like long the distance that regular people are hitting it aren't good for local courses was in safety environmental all those things there's all like this is it's not a good thing for the game but can could they have pulled off the full rollback i don't know but what the model local rule does is it could like i would love to see some clubs say hey we're going to adopt this model local rule. We sell these balls in the pro shop and that's the way you play here. I think it would actually add to their mystique a little bit, but let's get back to the main topic. I, I, I don't want to, I, I feel like we're being a little too, um, is that it to the, like, I do want to commend them. Like this was, this, mm-hmm. this did take a I lot agree. of, does take some stones. It does like it had to be done, but it, it's not easy, and I and I don't. It's not like it was never going to be just a simple thing. So I do think it's a big step that should be lauded. Uh, I think maybe it was, and it was politically deft, in my opinion, like the way they're starting or the way they're doing it. Um, will it have a dramatic impact on high level professional golf? Is it changing a ton? Are we still going to have? Mostly driver wedges. It's kind of hard to project because it is a couple of years away now. But I just wonder um, whenever we're going to the old course again or wherever, you know, the U.S. Open at Marion and things like that. Is it going to dramatically change the professional game at the elite level as all these younger kids come up swinging faster and faster? I asked the question about like, is there room to adopt this as it goes on? Because I think that's the thing that needs to happen as, as hard as I have been on the new elevated events um, structure with the PGA tour. We know that after year one, there's going to probably be significant changes. The things that we've seen with the USGA is they make changes and they just don't change them. And I think for this to remain effective and be effective and not just get back to where we are right now, the chain there needs to be the ability to constantly update the swing speed test. Like they said, only a few guys swing at 127 right now, like or or have recorded speeds at 127. Guess what? Lots of guys by 2026 Pretty, will yeah. will be recording speeds and, that that and, fast. And like, on the call, the, Mike Juan admitted this is a band aid. Like 12 to 15 mm-hmm. years, we're going to be back right back here where we are now. So the key to the effectiveness of this is going to be updating regularly. Like I, if I was going to nitpick and say like, what, what would I have liked to see? And I would have said going higher on the speed because you know, the reality is that there, it's just going to keep pushing up, right? By the time you get this instituted, you know, there, your, your rule is going to be less relevant than the day you decided on the rule. That's the way distance works. By the time by the time a club finishes lengthening a hole, they almost need to re-lengthen it. You know? Like it's yeah. oh, we've decided after three years of debate to build this back tee. We build the back tee and then somebody hits it over the bunker that we were built the back tee to prevent, you know? And it's like, oh well we gotta go build a new tee. So with this, I think that it will it will reintroduce some long par fours in the short term. How long they remain long, 
that I think that's the big thing, right? They want to reintroduce strategy. And I agree. Like, I'm excited about this change. I think that this was a good change. Um, and I think that given the circumstance, like that everybody that's upset about this, really what you're upset about, like upset about like it not being a full measure, what you're upset about and I, I'm personally upset about is not containing this problem in 2000. That's <sighs> that's where, and I think Mike Juan was open to that. I saw on Golf Channel, if you want to critique us for not getting that's this in, in, yeah. in check early on, that's a fair critique. And I think that a little easier to say when you weren't around at all. I mean, you could just say like crush my organization that I wasn't a part of (laughs) 15 years ago, but yes, but, but yeah, it's a fair critique. Yes. And I think like, this is, uh, I think it will reintroduce some, some, um, some teeth to golf courses. 20 yards is significant. 15, 20 yards. It makes like the idea of like five, I can't, I can't think uh, like the thing I can't get over is 500 yard par fours for a long hitter say hitting at 320 like 500 yards is a driver eight iron yeah right that's insane I mean I watched Rory hit driver I watched Rory hit driver wedge at 520 yard 16th hole on on whatever it was Tuesday and I I mean he's a non-pareal he's like the best driver in the game so uh should we get some myths out of the way is this gonna make go ahead go ahead but then like all of a sudden if you take 20 yards off 500 and it's yeah it's the guy's hitting it from 200 it's like oh he's probably hitting with like scaled back irons a little bit five iron like oh that's that's fun that's unique that that's like a little bit different and the game is better the game is better overall if guys are hitting a wider range of irons into the green. Yes. The game becomes more one-dimensional when it's when it's more driver wedge, which is what it's become. So the the product, the overall product like oh this is going to hurt the product. It's not. It's going to make the product better because there's going to be more different types of shots for the best players in the world to pull off. And oh, by the way, when you try to punish distance by just making it narrow with high rough, it has the same effect of one dimensionality, one dimensionality, right? That's not like, that's not necessarily why and how you curtail things, despite some professional uh, players' opinions. Um, Let's like, we're on the record for why we think this is not like a bad thing for many, many years. You especially just want to bust some myths like, this isn't like harming the product. This isn't going to make it worse to watch. This isn't going to, this isn't defaming guys with elite driving power and skill. If anything, it's accentuating the guys with skill, right? The guys who, with that power, with that skill, it should help separate the best. There's a lot of um, average professional golfers that are able to keep up and make a lot of money and close the gap between them and their exceptionally talented peers just based on this distance, how far the ball is going and often how what some of the setups reward or, or don't reward. And so like cutting distance down isn't going to punish Rory or even Bryson when he was playing golf or, or when at, he was playing golf at a higher level. Like it's not punishing him for chasing distance and being really good at it. What it's doing is is separating those elite talents. It's, it's separating the just like 
the lawn drive, you know, from a lawn driver and from a guys who can't hang through the bag. And like, like you said, other myth, it's not making things less entertaining. It's just not like what, what I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of instances in the last five years where like this would like kind of screw us out of a really entertaining moment. It's like, Bryce I don't know, Bryson at six. At, at whistling straights. Yeah, Bryson at six at Bay Hill. Um, I don't know, Borakawa at Harding Park, does he drive the green? He might still. Well, I, a bunch, I, of, well, other, a bunch of other guys, he wouldn't have won. He wouldn't have won. It was, he was the only one that that shot fit perfectly because he's, he's the only poofer on the board. I just think it's not harming the product. And the way that, because people just, the game is so much more, it's so much more interesting when it's not just wedge. And like you said, I thought Will Knights had a great tweet today. Harry Higgs talked about how there's more people around tee boxes than there are around greens because they want to watch big balls. And Will Knights tweet is like, I remember I stand around the tee box at the Masters and we all watched the ball and we weren't going to cheer until we knew it passed 280. And then, but if it fell short of 300 or it fell <laughs> past 300, but then if it passed 300, we would clap and cheer. Like that's how it works. I thought that was a pretty good rebuttal. So again, I don't think it's harming the product. I don't think it's sort of weakening some of the big, most talented big hitters that, that we're on the record with that for a while. Yeah. I think like the reality is like, and I say this as somebody who grew up caddy, I caddied for 12 years. I, um, I cover golf now for a living. When I play modern equipment, I can hit the ball over 300 yards. I've seen lots of golf shots. I can tell you when somebody hits it off the tee, like when when Rory hits a drive off the tee, I don't look at it and go, oh, that's 320. I know that it comes off the face differently than somebody else. I know that it comes off the face differently than a, a player. What's, a, what's always impressive about about pro golfers and how they hit tee shots is how they launch. And to me, nothing is changing about how they launch. And if anything, it's actually going to make it a little bit easier to watch the ball because it's not coming off at such a fast pace. Like that's, I think one of the things I've noticed with the game is that it's getting harder and harder yeah. to follow a golf ball sure. off the tee because of how fast it's going. Like if you're on the side of it, it's really hard to, for your eye to keep following it. So right. um, I think if anything, the this is going to like, yeah. it's not going to change tee shots. It's not going to change the viewing experience on, on TV. <laughs> like you, when somebody hits a drive on TV, you don't know how the only way you know how far it's going is what they tell you. Like <laughs> you have no clue otherwise. <laughs> right. So I think the, the thing that we will see is like a, a much greater um, instance of like exciting approach shots like that stand out yes. and stand yes. on their own. Five irons, um, six irons, guys who are the most talented can pull off the most often. I've seen so. a lot of people go talking about how short hitters are going to have no chance. I saw like a Kyle Porter tweet about like how they have no chance. And I think that's actually like, under underselling the the shorter hitters on tour 
to like a very, very, very big degree. And, and it doesn't. So like shorter hitters on tours are absolute freaks of nature with every other club in their bag. And a shorter hitter, if they're hitting a three iron, let's just like play it out, right? If they're hitting a five iron and a guy's hitting a wedge, they it's going to be really, really hard for them to hit it inside the other guy. Yeah. I'm just get your jokes off about that comment about <laughs> hitting inside of them. <laughs> but anyways, but if you then take it back and let's just say the shorter hitters hitting three iron and the longer hitters hitting eight iron or seven iron, they have a chance then. It's a little, it's a little closer. Yeah. It's, it's like those guys that are, are short are unbelievable long iron players. And like when you're hitting a wet, it's super hard for a guy. I, I mean, these guys like it's so hard to hit a wedge bad, right? It's a lot easier to hit an eight iron bad at the professional level. So I think that it's discounting. And all of a sudden when these guys are hitting more eight irons, the long hitters, more eight irons instead of wedges, they're going to miss more greens. And then their short game is going to be more, more important. So I think that it's a little bit alarmist, a little bit like preemptive to say the short hitters are getting screwed because if you back that out, there's a lot of other ramifications than just purely driving distance and the strokes gained off the tee. Using data from long hitting, like everything's going to shift. Things are going to change. I don't think it'll change massively, but the the success of pro golf is like on the margins, little tiny stuff. It is not like... like that's how guys have career years is they make incremental improvements and little things. Very and I small. don't think, I think the best players are going to remain the best players. I do not think this is going to have a seismic change, but you might see some change of like, maybe a guy that just, you know, our favorite punching bag who unfortunately is not on the PGA big tour Jay. anymore. The other, the other big <laughs> Jay. Big, big Jay Kokrak. All of a sudden, might not be a very good player when it comes to testing all the bags, but uh, we could be completely wrong about Coke crack. And that's going to be the beautiful thing to watch is like, we're actually going to see these guys have to hit a bunch of shots. Right. We think, we think we'll see. It's we a think. couple of years away and then we'll get to that in a minute. Um, a couple other things. You, you were on the call. I was on the call. Anybody impress you or disappoint you? Anything about Martin slumbers, Mike Juan, um, a couple other specifics like, they noted we did not do the club thing because obviously they had this. I comment- want to talk about that commentary period for the last whatever years, and they said the compact. Or the main comments they got were there's too much change proposed. It's too complex. The one thing was about the club, about reducing, um, uh, sort of rolling back the clubs, uh, the driver, I should say, and the complaint and the feedback was. Hey, you know, if you're rolling back the driver, you got to roll back all the clubs and like that's just going to get too onerous and it's too much. And like just doing one club, now all of a sudden three woods are going to be better than drivers and and you're just the calibrations all through the bag are going to be off. So they didn't do any club. It's just focused on the ball. Again, getting back to our point at the original start, it's like this was kind of like one of the most narrow ways and feasible ways they could push this through, at least start. So they did no club regulation 
If I had my my way, and yeah. I know that there are a lot of stakeholders that I would piss off in my way here, but <laughs> like to be to be where I've where I've had the most frustration with this, I'm I'm very happy with with the fact that we have some change. We have we have a some a, a solution figured out. Where where I would say my frustration is is not attacking some of the forgiveness of the modern driver. Um, miss hits toe yeah heel stuff like as, that spin as as someone who has played a self-imposed retro set of golf clubs for a year some days i get i get tired i usually it's when the weather's tough and when it, the course is soggy and i get just like tired of getting my ass kicked i'll pull a driver out of the bag from from a from a, a friend modern. that i'm playing yeah, with yeah Current and it's driving. just un it's appalling how forgiving, how bad you can hit it and how far it goes. And I think like I think if we were here now, like where I would say is like if we're here now, this is the only time to do it. That that's like where like it's never happening from now on because we're here and you don't we haven't so. done it. They can't start breaking them down with one regulation and then take another little chip away. I don't think they, so. Okay. All right. So they, that's yeah. the way I feel is like if you've done all this research, you've done this was the time to do it and they didn't. Um I find it disappointing, but I also can understand like do you in do you increase the risk of this not getting bought into by everybody if you go that far right and i think that's the, the political nature it's of this it's not massively, it doesn't yes i think if you were if you were strictly looking at the health and the how good the professional game could be from my perspective this is my opinion people would probably have a lot different opinions um but from my personal opinion if you wanted to make the professional game as good as you could you would change the driver specs to create a less forgiving face so that, you know, you had to hit the ball in the sweet spot to have really good results. I sort of think maybe they could like, they could start to break down on a mindset shift here with a little regulating, then a little more. And then like, Hey guys, look, you're still alive. You're still professional golfer. You're still really good. We didn't like take your livelihood away. We didn't ruin the game maybe they could start to break down a little bit more or understand that this is like a dire situation with that needs to be constantly addressed as it gets worse and worse. you know, the band-aids need to be continually put on. We'll see. Um, all right, we'll talk about the backlash. Titleist issuing a statement. PJ Tour issuing a statement. Before we, before we get into uh, all the uh, equipment manufacturers, you know, I I did get a text from a Wilson marketing member today, and uh, and it got me excited. But it wasn't about sponsoring this show. We are not sponsored by equipment company. This episode is sponsored by Club TFE. And um, you know, candidly speaking, when I started this whole enterprise, one of my big sticking points was not being sponsored by an equipment company that would have an impact on our voice as a organization I, I want to be able to say and and you know however i feel about topics and that that obviously um you know 
kind of hinders some of your uh, ability in golf to to make money. But I feel like voice is a uh, is a much more important quality to have and be able to the freedom to say what you really think on topics. And uh, you know, in terms of what we we want to keep doing uh, that, and one of the great ways to to support that, and a place that we put a lot of our takes and uh, you know unvarnished thoughts on on subjects is Club TFE. So we're doing about an article a day at this point. It is uh, one hundred twenty dollars a year, uh, and you can sign up at thefriedag.com slash membership. Uh, you get discounts to Pro Shop. There's all kinds of things. It's all listed there. But really, um, we're putting out a lot of content, and it's a uh, it's a great way to support us and and serve your uh, golf addiction uh, with with daily articles, conversations, and and different things. Yeah, very good, very good. I I, I was gonna say, you know, we'll take a we'll take a call from Wilson. We'll take an equipment call. We we'll take Wilson. You know, should we let people behind the curtain? We took a call once from PXG just out of curiosity that they they just must have had the wrong guys or the wrong numbers. I don't know. And they, uh, they, we sat on a marketing call and I was like, do they know what we talk about? I was like, oh. <laughs> they were compelling. We? They, just, they, they, they were compelling in the sense they said, we just want you to be you. I was like, well, like, like how do we honestly do this? It'll have to be a bit for like three months and then they'd find out about it. Anyways, but yes, Club TFV. It's a way to also get us to events and stay independent, not go to events with agendas. I think you see that a lot these days. They're at events because the title sponsor brought you there or you know, an organization brought you there or something like that. But um, it's just a way for us to maintain our independence and obviously, hopefully, provide you some some significant value with the weekly course profiles and the articles and all the rest, the hangouts. You got a March Madness bracket going away, going on right did, now. We did put one in there. With a couple hundred dollars in with, shop credit, right, for winners yeah. and things like that. So we're going to do major pools, I think, a lot more pools yeah. just for Club TFE members. I think I think we're planning on doing like a uh, a pool a month with like substantial giveaway purse. So, you know, like and obviously more members we have, the more substantial the giveaway purses will be. Just- All right. Let's get to a little bit of the backlash here. Titleist issuing a statement, PGA Tour issuing a statement, players at uh, Valspar beginning to talk. We mentioned the Harry Higgs note. Webb Simpson um, <laughs> and his big Titleist high crown hat uh, is, is not new to this debate. He's throwing himself kind of in front of a bus several times, been run over by the larger golf Twitter populace and others. Um, and he threw himself in front of that bus again at the Valspar, as which a, I give him credit. Quick, as a quick as a quick plug, Yeah, I happen to be recording a fried egg podcast on this subject, and I'm going to do a couple different perspectives for that podcast on the subject. But one of them was Tom Doak, and I asked him about, about what he would say about Webb Simpson's critique. <laughs> And he said, I have, I have no clue how Webb Simpson plays golf, but I would guess. And it was remarkable. So Webb he- said, battling distance, you can't do it through equipment. You need to do it through golf course architecture and design. At one point, he said, more rough, more trees. He cited Pete Dye as the great icon for this. Uh, you know, he cited hole four last week, hole six at Sawgrass. Thank you through a Harbor Town thing out there. Said we want to see tighter ferries, more rough, more trees, dog legs, stuff like that. It's 
pretty popular with the guys I've talked to. It's not going to fix the distance problem, I want to be clear, but it needs to be in the conversation. Um, there's certain golf courses where we play, there's genius that needs to be paid attention to that will help this problem that we're seeing. And I just think that needs to be a main piece of the pie for this whole distance thing. Um, he said this before. I guess like I'll play devil's advocate. Like, why is he wrong? I, I, I have an answer to, to rebut myself real quick, but I guess there's no genius in Cypress Point. Or there's no genius in the original Augusta National 13th hole. There's no genius. Like, like, if he's saying the only genius is like a, a, a fourth hole at well, I, Sawgrass. I'd love, to, I'd love to go see Webb Simpson's house. You know? What? Does it have any like old school design oh, aspects? You know? Right. Right, right. <laughs> Does he? I, I would hope. I would hope that he lives in like the most modern house ever. You know why? Why are PGA Tour <laughs> but, players? I I think like one of the things too is like the way they play, like Sawgrass and and Harbortown. I think people forget when when and I'm guilty of this. Like when we talk about what stood up well to distance and everything, and everybody oh. Sawgrass has stood up so well to, to the distance, you know, explosion. Well, it's only 40 years old, you know? Right. Like versus like these other courses are 100 years old. So, you know, of course, it's going to hold up a little bit better. Um, right. But at right. the same time, like, is it really holding up well? Like, it's a lot of driver wedge still for, yeah, for many of like, these places. I mean, I, I would, think Sawgrass is pretty unique at the cross hazards and things like that but still i mean all par fives are two shotters and everything like that so aside from that yeah i even like 15 now is like these guys just like blow it over the corner of the trees and have like wedge in it's kind of crazy that's like that's a great example of a hole that's been really had a lot of teeth taken out of it why are players not the we know the answer to this but why are professional golfers not the ones best suited to talk about like what would be, be the best playing fields for them, I I or the best equipment that they should use. Like I know there's an inmates run the asylum issue there, but why wouldn't they be best to describe what courses are best for them? In a past life, I uh, I did sales, and anytime, anytime there's any change to the sales plan, right? I hate oh! it. Oh, like yeah. immediate, yeah. immediate vitriol reaction. Like, oh, what are they doing? What are they? They're right. taking my money away. Like they're trying to make us make less money. You know, like that's an immediate reaction. And I think like, I think that's the case here is like, I completely understand why tour pros would have the stance that they have. They've worked their ass off playing under a specific set of rules with a specific set of equipment and made it to the point where they're making in some cases, tens of millions of dollars playing golf. And any change to that, like we've seen it, like a putter, the banning the anchor putter, what it did to Webb Simpson, right, for a while, what it did to Keegan Bradley for a while, what it did to Tim Clark, like the inability to use that long putter, like dramatically, drastically altering players' careers. Equipment change is extremely scary for professional golfers. And I think the people that probably like the professional golfers that should be asked about it probably are the ones that aren't playing for the highest stakes at this point. I found it interesting though. Like some of the pros like were in 
that we're for it. I saw Nick Hardy replied to one of my tweets about so like a spin your ball would be, make this professional golf way more interesting on TV. This was uh, this is I should note Kira K. Dixon getting all these quotes from uh, golf on Golf Channel. They went from Webb to Brandon Matthews, who goes, "I'm really looking forward to." And Brandon Matthews, by the way, nukes the living shit out of the ball. Biggest hitter, like one of the biggest hitters on tour. I'm really looking forward to seeing shot shapes again like you used to see, uh, like a rising ball flight. You don't see that anymore because of the technology. You see a little more of that come back, which is really cool. I don't know f- how far they're going to go with this, but I think it's going to be really exciting change. It's going to make the game a little bit better. He wants to see more shot shapes brought back in. I don't know if we're necessarily bringing all the shot shapes and all the spinniness of it back in, but we're requiring some more skill. Uh, so that was interesting from one of the big hitters. Uh, Titleist came out with a statement. The equipment companies <laughs> seem to be pretty much just anti-bifurcation. They're late. They, I'll say this. They seem a little less angry, a little less shouting at the room, shouting at clouds i mean think about if you if you There's, spend all that money on a on a on a thing about how far your driver goes and then this came out <laughs> so i i didn't see a ton of a bridgestone had one out and and i think it was a little more m- middle of the rail uh middle of the fence titleist was a little less aggressive and then in past because it's kind of the horse is out of the barn a little bit but they grasped the straws they could and, and shook them. The sport of golf has advanced and evolved over the years thanks to a thoughtful balance between innovation and tradition. I'd say that's become less thoughtful in recent years, and that's part of the problem. Less thoughtful balance between innovation and tradition. Um, one of golf's unifying appeals is that everyone in the game plays by the same set of rules, can play the same courses, and with the same equipment. That's just not really been the case. It's just not really true. Um, it's been bifurcated the wrong way, as you've said for many. Like they're this playing the bigger, same, this better. This is the same. This is the easy. same company that has golf balls that are available only to the tour pros. Right. This is just keep this in mind. This same company makes equipment strictly for tour professionals that you cannot purchase in a store unless you're a tour professional. Think about that. Uh, I'm That's not going to go. Think, this is, this is the most asinine way. I, I don't, I do, you know, part of me thinks like, is there a world where like people, if, if this is so true that people want to play what the pros play, then when we roll this back, is everybody just going to buy the pro ball? All right. Like if right. that's true, then it's just going to be a a unified, universal rollback. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, right? I, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to still saying, play with like, a, I'm going to still play <laughs> softball with a metal bat if I can play soft. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, nobody doesn't play in their beer league softball because they don't use wood bats like the pros. <laughs> um. So I don't need to go through can all the mumbo imagine, jumbo. Can you imagine some guy or, rolling up to the like <laughs> softball soft like field with a with a little like slugger? Yeah, I like the challenge of it. Um, I don't need to go through all the mumbo jumbo. And as context for this, like in case, like maybe if you're listening to this, you've probably been in the in into golf for a while. Like Titleist is renowned for being incredibly aggressive 
to the point of like really mean, really like over the line about any any even talk of rollback, it, whether it's amongst players they sponsor, media. I know they've been pretty hostile to any media that even brings this up. You'll get pages and pages of letters from different you know, executives there, if you even suggest rollback talk, like they've been most aggressive and for good reason, they dominate the ball market. They, they've, they've innovated and made a great product. Um, so that's the context here. I will say this is that one of the things like they, they're the dominant player. And from what I've gathered, and this is, this is me speaking as somebody that doesn't have a dog in the race, uh, horse in the race, not dog, dog racing's bad. Horse racing, kind of bad. Too, like, yeah, R.I.P. Barbara. Yeah. Um, but anyways, as somebody who doesn't have a horse in the race, like from what I gather, if there's going to be like, uh, you know, the golf ball quality race has always been titleist. Yeah. Blaine, like they've yeah. had the best ball. It's gotten a little bit closer over the years. Like, but... When there's a big change, you know who has a huge, huge advantage over the rest of their competition? Titleist. Right. Because they have the best, like, manufacturing standards. They have, you know, they have the biggest team working on it. They, they are, they have the most to gain of this thing. Like, that's the other thing. They have another product to sell. I honestly think, like, I will, I will 100%. I play retro clubs now when, if I will 100% play the tour ball. That's You're a very small subset of person. I don't. That's I don't very think. Niche. I know, but I think that there's like you know, like this isn't. This is another sellable product. I know that it's going to cost a little bit of money to develop and everything. That's one of the things that I'm disappointed about. Is how you know you can see how this is how costs get passed on to the consumer. You know, because they got they got to like, create a plant and another ball for whatever a couple hundred pros. And I think that's, that's like the strong. Money. That's the strongest rebuttal, to be completely honest, to what's happening. To bifurcation? Yeah. Or like, not to a rollback, right? But to bifurcation. To bifurcation is okay. the is the is the R and D cost that these companies incur for a select few. Is if I was arguing the other side, that's what I'd be hammering. And pass it off to all the consumers yeah. who are gonna mm-hmm. buy, you know, seventy dollar dozen Pro V ones instead of whatever. Uh, It'd be like a banking bailed out and taxpayers having to pay for it. Sure. Uh, elsewhere in their statement, USJ and RNA have announced a notice and comment, the MLR. This bifurcation would divide golf between elite and recreational play, add confusion, and break the linkage that is part of the game's enduring fabric. Golf is an aspirational sport. This is the CEO. And we believe it at its very best when equipment and playing regulations are unified. Golf's health and vibrancy are at historically high levels. As we see it, you know, it's just not necessary. The proposal of golf ball bifurcation is in many respects a solution in search of a problem. So they're talking all about this linkage <laughs> with the tradition of the game. Like the tradition of the game, like these courses aren't playable anymore. You've left it. You've obsoleted so much of this tradition. Like you want to talk about linkage and the unifying history of, of tradition. Like the technology has obsoleted how- that. How happy is Monahan that he didn't have to deal with this at his uh, press conference? <laughs> well, let's go to the tour. We've we've have we done enough with Titleist? I mean, I assume like yeah. the other OEMs are in the same boat, um, but they're just often been less aggressive about it. Um, 
from the PGA Tour. Uh, let me load it here. Uh, we continue to work closely with the USGA and RNA on a range of initiatives. Good. I'm glad you're working on those range of initiatives, including the topic of distance. Regarding the notice to manufacturers announced today, we will continue our own extensive independent analysis of the topic. Sounds like a guy doing can't, his own research on the vaccine. Wait for this. Our own extensive independent analysis of the topic, and we'll collaborate with the USGA and the RNA, along with our membership and industry partners. Everybody on equal footing there. We'll collaborate with the USGA and RNA, along with our membership. So Charlie Hoffman and Billy Ho and industry partners who are Peppy Peter. I think I th- I've, I've heard rumors that Peppy Peter is, uh, is pretty opposed to the rollback. Well, I could see that. I could see that. Maybe his mind will change. Maybe he just has to have a sit down. <laughs> yeah. For it takes it'll be one week. It'd only take a week like a, <laughs> to evaluate and provide feedback on this proposal. The tour, all caps, remains committed to ensuring any future solutions identified benefit the game as a whole without negatively impacting the tour, all caps, its players, or our fans' enjoyment of the sport. Fans' enjoyment of the sport coming last after the tour and its players and, and you know, appropriately. So um, here's my thing. The tour does not want to do this. Uh, there's maybe a couple guys on there that are fine with it. You know, Tiger's been on the record f- for a rollback in recent years. Pretty vociferously, Rory did that one year at Riviera. I don't know where he is now, um, but by and large, the membership is against it. The tour is going to like the tour is like that, you know, that meme of the exhausted Popeyes worker. The tour, they, like they just done. They're trying to do this live shit, and now we got to whip all our members into like maybe trying to do, take this on. You're gonna make us do this again, um, which I'll say like. Good on for USGA. Like, like live existing and the game being in tumult is no reason not to do this, right? Or no reason to like kick it. We've kicked it down the line, the can down the road enough. Uh, the tour doesn't seem to want to do this. I think there's a world where they and the PGA of America, who go a little bit hand in hand with them as a, from the professional level, uh, are quite, quite reticent to adopt this model local rule for elite male competition. Does that mean we're going to get guys hitting just absolute moonshots at travelers one week after they're hitting poof balls at Oakmont? That'd be amazing. I think that would be hilarious. We have bifurcation within the elite male game alone, just on its own bifurcation within the bifurcation. Um, There are, you know, again, the equipment companies give these players a lot of money. They're leaning on them. I heard stories last week. They're leaning on them to not, you know, to, to maintain the bifurcations bad. Why? Already doing that. So the membership's going to be reticent. I don't know that the tour, I could see a world where the tour doesn't jump in this boat right away. It's going to take a lot of fighting and voting and things of that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's it's super super interesting because i think one of the things that the that the usga you know i think these these organizations especially with the events recently have been very close to each other augusta national the usga the rna don't give the live lawyers any ideas here the pga tour okay and i think that uh i think there could be a little sentiment amongst like especially like i think ridley's press conference is going to be telling but the idea of like we've had your back 
now it's time for you to have our back. Um, and I think that's I mean, this, the, this sort this of goes is, back to the pandemic too, right? When they all mm-hmm. work together to get majors, some majors on a schedule. I've heard the other organizations were pretty helpful with like getting working a with the tour within their schedule, but also getting the PGA tour back up and running out of the pandemic and removing the rechanging and where their majors were that year. And everybody took a haircut, but yeah, they backed up the tour quite a bit getting golf return to golf all caps. And now similarly with live more recently. So I think it's a, this is the, I think this is the thing that's the most exciting to watch. And yep, totally. Because I totally agree. Because if this, if this schism happens, I really wonder what happens to the professional game. I think that the tour, this would be a monumental mistake because it would be really an admission that we play a different version of golf than the, the majors. And I, I just like, they do not own the valuable property. What are the three most valuable yes. properties outside of the Ryder cup, right? Three yep. most valuable individual competitions are the masters, the U S open and the open championship. And by all indications, those are probably the three biggest drivers behind this change. Yeah, I it'd be like going from watching arena football league game, some goofy rules, XFL, like where they don't do a coin flip and you run the, you know, you dive on the ball and then going to play, you know, proper NFL game. And you're marginalizing your product, I would think, by distancing yourself, no pun intended, from what golf looks like at the U.S. Open and the Masters and the Open Championship. I think I, I I guess I could be wrong. I I think it could go. It's it's just very risky, right? It could go. Maybe it goes the tour. I don't way. think it's going to. I, I think I it's going to take I, a lot of fighting say, and shouting, but I don't think it's going to. It just can't. The event the week before these majors is done. Toast. No one's going to play that <laughs> using their souped up stuff and then having to go play on Monday at Augusta or wherever. Right. I just, I, mean, I think, they, like and the, I think the thing about this too is like, would that have had a better chance of half? Like, I just, tour players are so short sighted and self interested if they can't get behind this low of a lift. You know, if this was equipment, if they were changing the drivers, if they were changing yards. the drivers and the mechanisms of the, the, the fairway woods and hybrids. I could first I could actually understand a little bit more of this, you know, but this is like I mean, the thing about it is if they don't agree to this, what's the next thing that they change for the PGA Tour? Right? Like what's the next rule? How I mean, many why times why even have a CT machine? Why have any like why have any rules? Exactly. That's why? that's the thing is that once this happens, then all of a sudden it starts to spiral in a way that USGA's, you know, one of their jobs in the RNA is to save the professional golfers from ruining the sport. And I don't think professional golfers really hmm. understand 
that that if they had things their way, mean, I think that's probably extreme. Ruining. Think the about sport. Charlie Hoffman with the pr- protection. Oh, I see what you know on the rule like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not club pros. I'm talking about PGA Tour players and I the gotcha. rules. Like if the rules aren't in place, if if they don't adhere to this rule from the USGA, what rule is off the table? Well, it's a unique circumstance to golf that this organization that isn't like isn't the organization that's running the league is making the rules, right? Yeah, but like, the PGA if, Tour is a unique uh, total organization league. in it's itself. It doesn't, yep. yeah, it yep. doesn't have an ownership structure. That no, I, I cares get it. About- I get it. So you had, it's just a unique aspect of golf. I, I think pros would say they mostly benefit the game, elite pros than potentially push towards ruining it separate issue separate issue i suppose um all right i think that i think so you think they're going to get there the tour will come on board i i don't know i i i don't think it's that drastic 20 yards off i just i i can't i like i think that this is going to be an uphill battle (laughs) but like i do not like i I think this is the hardest part about this whole thing, obviously. Um, but like, here's the other thing, right? Like the other aspect of this is if college golf and, and um, amateur golf accept this, like by all means, they're all going to the USGA. Yeah. When, I mean, the NCAA golf. should men's NCAA yeah. golf should. So if these, if they, accept it like then then the issue becomes like i turn pro and i have to use the souped up ball (laughs) like it doesn't make sense right so like you know in a weird way if the tour controlled college golf more maybe they you know if they decide to go against it then i would put their thumb on the scale hard on pga tour u and like if you if the tour wants to dig in, then they have to control the game coming up. But I don't see how they uproot the Western Golf Association, the USGA, like all every single one of those big time amateur events that matter the most are are going to be and the Masters again. Like you're going, you're going to have to go against the RNA, the USGA, and the Masters in amateur golf. Like, yeah, like that's the thing. I can't foresee like. Imagine, imagine if kids in college played with wood bats, and then when they went to the major leagues, they got <laughs> aluminum. <laughs> Pretty good. I like it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the. It's going to get interesting. I, I think everybody will fall in line eventually, but it's going to take a lot of shouting and screaming, probably amusing social media posts, tufts of grass type. You know, from that I genre. I can't believe post. Billy. Billy hasn't commented yet. He will. He will in due time. It's only a matter of time for. He's just ringing the. Going to come out on the bell, ring that bell, and start he's shouting. Ride a scooter. Ride the, a scooter to the nearest uh, um, town square. Porter. Yeah. yeah, town square. Um, all right, I think that does it. We'll have much more on. Wait, this. we it's got our gambling the, pod. We got. I know. I'm going to it next. It does it on this, you know, subject on the entire future of the game. Uh, schedule for the week: We have the Valspar Championship at Tampa, Innisbrook, Copperhead, where all the snakes are. We got the Snake Pit. Um, that's Thursday, Friday. You know, Saturday, Sunday on a mix of Golf Channel, Peacock, and NBC. 
Um, elsewhere on the Champions Tour, we have the Hogue Classic. That is uh, whatever. Senior the Tom t- Hogue Classic. Someone tweeted at us like, I think we really need to hear from the Champions Tour today on rollback. The <laughs> Champions Tour are going to make a statement on the rollback. That might be the best, the best statement. <laughs> that cracked me up. Like, hey, uh, one last doing? thing. Yeah. One last thing on on the rollback. Yeah. I was I I've I've had the screen up so I didn't forget to do it. I d- I don't think it's a coincidence that they're putting this into play 2026. So they go to Oakmont oh, in 2025. Okay. It's kind of broad enough all the to place, hang on. Yeah. Of all the places you're not worried about Oakmont in yes. 2025, right? Yep. Yep. 2024 is Pinehurst. It held up pretty good the last time, right? Yep. Yep. You know. And that would be too fast. 2026, Shinnecock Hills. Obviously, been an area of uh, contention and... Um, what they used diff- to combat the distance is push it to the <laughs> edge, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yep, 2027, yep. Pebble. The shortest of all of their sure. venues. 2028, Wingfoot. Which, yep. I mean, that, that, that probably hastened this, right? Had to. In a little bit, like it just another public real undressing that wing foot 2020. 2029, you go back to Pinehurst, 2030, Marion. Like, let's not, like, this is very, like, they've got Marion signed up, what, in, in uh, 2040s, right? Yeah, I mean, there's one that's 2049. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, you got Oakland Hills coming back. This isn't updated, back. though. This page isn't updated. It only says 2030 for Marion. Oakland Hills, you know, there's a bunch they've added now. And I thought that was an interesting. I made a note of that immediately. Mike Wan, uh, on his co- on the call, they talked about, like, you know, how, how do you foresee this, like, bringing venues back into the fold? And Mike Wan said, Fortunately or unfortunately, which like set off alarm bells to me, like their hands are tied on venues, which seemed like kind of a, a not the biggest endorsement of the whole anchor site and planning out venues for 75 years in advance. I thought he really sort of opened the door to not feeling great about that. Maybe it was unintentional, but I made a note of it right away. He said, fortunately or, or unfortunately, you could see our venues for the next 30 plus years. Didn't seem like, seemed like, made it sound like their acre site was a regrettable thing they'd done planning out. But I, I don't know. Maybe he was just misspeaking on the conference call. It was a little slip. But um, I don't yeah. know. I, I, a music thing I thought from my uh, interview with Seth Waugh a few months ago was that he, he's called it irresponsible to be planning out venues this far. Really? So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay, the Valspar Championship. Good field after this run, of, for given what we've done, the, the run of JT designated skipping J- Justin the, Thomas. Skipping the designated event for Valspar. Yeah. yeah. He said he loves Valspar, loves the course, doesn't never done well at Austin. So we have Thomas, Fitz, Spieth. By the way, Fitz had a good comment today. He's like, ah, I'll just get the new equipment, test it. I don't think it's really that big a deal. I'll work with it. Figure it out. For a guy who's charted every shot for his whole life, you know, he's just going to start charting again with the new stuff. Um, uh, If the overall membership of the PGA, this is Jordan Spieth. Wow. Wow. It said quite a few people were surprised. I missed the Spieth comment. 
I think maybe is I think is maybe a nice word to use. Surprise is a nice word to use. I know they're trying to reach out and make contact and say why they might be doing this at this time. If the overall membership of the PGA Tour doesn't want to do it, then it's probably not going to be done. Yikes. Spieth suggesting maybe we do have bifurcation within the bifurcation. I don't know. Oh. That's that'll be, be a lot of moaning. Wood bat wood bat to metal bat for the for <laughs> the kids. <laughs> hey, welcome to the big leagues. Let me show you what you can do with I this mean, metal be, bat. It's be like a video game where you're playing home run derby and just it's just like boom, boom, boom. And then you like go and play real <laughs> stuff the next week. I don't All right. Um, oh god, I'm kind of like rooting for reverse bifurcation. We're gonna yeah. have like these great these great what if we have like an amateur win win the uh win the masters because they're the only ones used to playing the, <laughs> the reduced equipment. And, uh, and the reduced ball. They probably and then, love that, Augusta National. And then they turn pro and they stink. <laughs> uh, so Valspar... I'm not saying that would happen. These are just right, you know things that right. played out in my head. Good field Valspar. JT, Fitz, Spieth, Burns, Fleetwood. Uh, you know, do you have a you have a one and done pick? It's a good good field for given where it's at in this, this shitty spot of the schedule. I'm taking so. my guy. He did. He, he, I'm going out on a ledge again. I'm taking Bermuda Burns. I think I I picked him last year at least. I might have taken him the year before be too. Three in a row. That'd be three in a row for him. I don't. I think it's been like since Tiger he played. He, there was proof of life last. He did week play better. Yes. Him. Nope. I'm gonna take Fleetwood. Barely proof of life on Sunday, but proof of life the prior three days. And and he's, so, he's good Green for is. a t t ten. <laughs> I'm hot. I'm in first place in my other one. So I'm a gambler now. Golf gambler. Tommy Fleetwood is my one and done pick. God. Well, we did satisfy the gear portion of the gambling pod. Gambling and gear pod. Yeah. We did plenty of gear talk. I don't know if the, maybe not to the gearheads, uh, you know, approval, but we did gear talk. Um, I think that does it. News. Live trademark is being blocked by the live nightclub (laughs) in Miami. Dave Grutman. Famous club owner of uh, Live Nightclub in Miami has blocked it so far. Do, do you think Monahan Doesn't went seem like... down there and met with him? And, no, and, and... No, no. There's all sorts of, you know, different fronts in the battle. I, I've been amused by the whole thing. Um, it doesn't seem like that's going to last. Live Golf should probably get their trademark, but I'm not a trademark attorney. So, uh, but, but it's been blocked for now. So how about, how about Live? Going up against the NCAA first weekend of the NCAA tournament, <laughs> their American debut. Just got to say, down, you can not download the planning. CW app for Friday's coverage. One o'clock Eastern, right in the middle of like the heart of every one to six. <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's first weekend. It's like literally the only time that there's like a national celebration of another sport, like of a sport I, besides like the Super Bowl and NFL games. I honestly like what. What is a worse three day period that you could go against? Would it only be worse if they went? If they only only thing I think you could possibly argue would be worse is going Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe, maybe worse would be going up against the Masters. Like I don't know. (laughs) I like that would be a bad one. But even then, people would care about golf. Yeah, it's not. I, I don't know. I know they got to get. I guess like done. maybe the first week, the, like the second weekend of football when you got NFL football Saturday, Sunday. Did they go up against that already last year? I, they had a lot of fall weekends. So 
Um, I think that does it. I, we'll talk more about Liv, I guess, on Friday. They're starting in Tucson. Um, I can't wait to get Liv players commentary on this decision. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, they're going to use it as sort of red meat to twist and turn why you should go to Liv. And it's, it's, I don't know, golf but louder and longer and totally un, unfettered regulation. So, um, All right, everyone enjoy your Wednesday. Thanks for indulging this longer chat, but it's a, a big topic. And we'll be back Friday. A little SGS golf advice, Liv Tuxen, Valspar. And probably some more angry player comments. We'll talk to you then.